0: So if a psychotherapist or a family doctor or a coach said that to improve to improve depression, you needed to drag yourself out of bed and go do something to distract yourself or interrupt the depressive process, but you still weren't able to. If they said you have to, but you, for whatever reason, still weren't able to, or you did that, but didn't actually feel any differently, it didn't actually... Influence the, the experience of depression that you were having, certainly not for the better, then what does this mean? Welcome to the Safe Enough podcast. This podcast is an exploration of what it means to feel safe enough in order to live the kind of life or make the kind of changes that transform our lives into those with all the love, connection, belonging, and purpose that we seek and strive for. My name is McPherson Warbeck. I'm the executive director of the It Begins to Move studio where we support your safe and gentle embodied healing. I am a safety and self-worth recovery partner, and I'm so happy that you're here. This is the final of three episodes in a series on how working with professional providers during a healing process is a tricky thing. In the first part of the series, I talked about the pitfalls of expertise and evaluation. In the second part, episode 21, I talked about the impact an inaccurate evaluation can have. And in this final part in the series, I'll talk about the critical ingredient in a successful healing partnership that magic, beautiful and powerful kind of connection that just allows inner wisdom and new options to pour forth. Let's get to it. How could I, as a provider, as a a professional, as an expert, ever know better about your situation, your experience, your thoughts and feelings and all of the other complex and unique elements of your history, all combining together in a unique way, how could I ever know better about that than you do? Unique actually means none other like it. Your experience is unique. What works for someone else else with um, shoulder pain, for example, even the same kind of pain with the same mechanism of injury, what works for them might not work for you. It might work, but it might not. And I'm really more interested in the times that it doesn't. And the reason I'm interested in the times that some standard solution doesn't work for you is because it begs the question, well, what next? And if the expert you're working with says, this should work, this thing that doesn't work for you, or this will work, again, the thing that doesn't work for you, then what are you left with? And where was the breakdown? When two things totally align, they work together. When a key matches the lock, the lock opens. When a physical therapist who's an expert on body movement tells you to do external shoulder rotator strengtheners um, and then your pain will go away, but then your pain doesn't, what does this mean? Does this mean that your physical therapist is bad at their job? That they're not actually a body movement expert? Does it mean that they got the diagnosis wrong, it's not a problem with your shoulder rotator cuff or the the external rotators in particular? Does it mean that you're a failure or that you're not doing the exercises correctly? Does it mean that something's just wrong with the way that your body moves and functions? a lot of time and money are often spent trying to answer these questions when a client doesn't get intended results. And usually the intended results are something like relief and a better quality of life, um, integration and ease of moving about the world. Sometimes the answer is, it's easy, but sometimes the answer isn't. What if there's something about the exercise your physical therapist assigns you to do that actually triggers a feeling of unsafety within you? Unless your physical therapist takes the time to ask you and to really listen to how how you answer, they may never know. Heck, you may never know unless you have the right kind of compassionate and friendly company in which to really explore how that movement felt in your body. Again, expert assessment does not need to be abolished. Experts do, in fact, by definition, have much more experience or specialty knowledge about a particular topic than most other folks do. And that expertise is so helpful. But only when it's treated as just as credible as your own experience within your own body, you are the expert on you. Let me say this another way, you are the expert on your experience. There's no one else that knows better about what it's like to be you and to move about the world like you. Therefore, um, professional providers can be, they can be consultants on trends and tendencies and research findings and evidence-based modalities and interventions, how things typically work, like anatomy and um, personality inventories, right? They can even consult on what they see or what they find when they evaluate you. They can even make prognostic suggestions or suggestions about what solutions will likely work. Remember, I talked about that word likely in the previous episode. But they don't know any better about you, you in particular, than you do. It is not helpful. In fact, it is harmful when they insist that they know better about you or what should work for you than you do. Like, it's harmful when they insist to such an extent that you can't push back. Like I said in episodes, 20 and 21, the past two episodes, the nature of expertise makes it so that power dynamics are imbalanced when one person insists that they know better or they know more than someone else who doesn't have their level of training and specialized knowledge. It's easy to say, oh, you must be right to the provider unless there's a critical element in the professional relationship. So if a psychotherapist or a family doctor or a coach said that to improve to improve depression, you needed to drag yourself out of bed and go do something to distract yourself or interrupt the depressive process, but you still weren't able to. If they said you have to, but you, for whatever reason, still weren't able to, or you did that, but, didn't actually feel any differently, it didn't actually influence the the experience of depression that you were having, certainly not for the better, then what does this mean? Does it mean that, that they're right and you're wrong? No, it just might mean that there's something about your experience that has yet to be discovered, yet to be listened to, acknowledged, some inner wisdom that has a message about what you actually need, what's actually right for you, it hasn't been heard yet. There is always a movement forward, a movement towards good stuff like like safety and connection and happiness. But sometimes it's not so obvious. And sometimes, dare I say never, an external expert, expert at knowing, they're never an expert at knowing what brings you more life, more happiness, more ease. And this idea can be relieving and also a bit uncomfortable to think about. So firstly, it can be really helpful to know that if solutions you've tried haven't yet worked, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. And most importantly, it doesn't mean that you're destined to feel terrible and struggle forever. Oh goodness. The solution that's best for you probably simply hasn't been found yet. Ah, And that can be so relieving. Also, it likely means that your experience doesn't fit into like a very limited mold that represents many other folks' experience, right? Research summates what's likely best for most people, but certainly doesn't include everybody. And that sort of matches with the uncomfortable part of this concept about not finding the right solution yet. The other side of, the, of this coin about being unique, means that there's no one else that knows the exact code of what's best for you other than you. Honestly, that can feel scary. Like, um, like, shoot, if no one else knows what to do, and I don't know what to do, then how could I ever find the solution? I've been there and I really appreciate how lonely and uncomfortable that can be. But here's the thing. There's a way to find the just right solution for you. There is a way the absolute most aligned, bespoke, unique, perfectly fitting thing for no one other than you. It's totally findable. It's totally findable. You, you must be right about you. A physical therapist might be right about shoulder anatomy and the way that shoulders move, but you are the expert on what kind of movement feels okay in your own shoulder. A psychotherapist, a family doctor, or a coach might be right that the data suggests that forcing yourself to get out of bed and distract yourself can help relieve depression. For some folks, but you are the expert on whether that feels okay for you or whether it doesn't. Your experience of life, of of your body, of your environment, of your relationships, and your experience is always right about your experience. (laughs) I know that sounds kind of funny when I say it that way, like I'm repeating myself. Your experience is always right about your experience. And when you're connected with that wisdom within yourself and you have a professional expert who brings specialized info and knowledge, makes suggestions, but is comfortable when you assert that those solutions don't fit quite right with you, affirms your experience, and then continues to be both engaged and curious in your process of healing, oh my word, it's like magic comes from that partnership. That's what I'll be talking about in next month's series. I'll be talking about the best, safest, and gentlest process for connecting with your inner wisdom and finding that just right solution that I've ever come across, and how you can experience it firsthand if you want. Stay tuned. I'll see you in the next episode. Take care, kind soul.